0: Welcome to that Greaves and Rooney sports podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. Our aim for this podcast is to enlighten you into the world of sport, visit our past experiences and our favourite part of these podcasts is to chat to sports stars and hear their
1: fascinating stories. Today we have a, a very special guest. Uh, she is an Olympic high jumper. She holds lots of age group, age group records for a couple of the different events. Uh, it's the young 23 year old Morgan Lake I know it sound surprised when I say it but Morgan's like an established team member isn't she now I know you think she's been
0: around for years but went to the Olympic Games at 19 um, like you say holds national records from under 17 right through to senior indoors and it's just a lovely lovely girl and I can't wait it should be a fascinating lesson Really now kicks away World champion for Discus Dan. Rooney gets the gold! Medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well done, Dan Greaves. So today we have Olympic high jumper Morgan Lake with is on the pod. Welcome, Morgan. Hello. Hello. Great to have you on. I know we see yeah. you daily at the track. How have you been training and coping during these crazy times of COVID?
2: It's been, yeah. It's been a long I was looking at my like photos the other day and I was looking back to March and I was like, nine months ago. Like it's been nearly a year of on and off training. Um obviously training in lockdown one was a lot different to how it is now. Like I don't even know how we kind of got through it it's a lot of grass sessions a lot of like makeshift gym sessions um until i got some equipment but training recently training since about may june time's been back to normal obviously we've got the high pack open we've got um full access to coaching SNC, um the medical team as well so yeah training recently has been a lot better
1: so you have back into some kind of normal ish routine you kind of got used to it now it's kind of like is what it is I suppose isn't it,
2: it is. and also like it's I always feel bad that I mean I feel like the last obviously we're back on lockdown but I'm like my life hasn't really changed too much mm. obviously, the stuff outside the track and the social life aspect of it and seeing my family and friends and stuff is so different but I'm at the track all day every day anyway. Like when I get home, I'm tired, especially winter training. I'm like, I'm just gonna be napping. Um, so in terms of like recovery and stuff like that from training, has been been pretty much normal. Um, it's just almost like the uncertainty around comps, um, the uncertainty about um, like the outside world and my friends and family and like keeping their health and stuff. That's that's the only element that's kind of changed. It's like my training. Training-wise, everything's pretty much how it would be now anyway. Um, it's just everything else around that.
0: Yeah. And I know, like, um, like for myself, I, I speak on behalf of Rooney, but I, I guess it might be the same mindset. But um, I guess we're, we're all, like, goal-driven and driven towards comps. And I won, in obviously, a season, and it was a massive disappointment with Tokyo out the window. Um, like, how did you cope with, like, the, just the sheer uncertainty of not maybe ticking... Goals off this year that or last year, sorry, now we're in 2021, um that you might have done, and and like, what was your mindset kind of going into to this year to kind of maybe hopefully accomplish that by going to Tokyo?
2: Yeah, so weird one for me. I strangely I don't really know why, but I have more motivation this year going to Tokyo year than I did like 2019 going to the 2020 Tokyo year. Um, I think because I had quite a lot of changes and quite a lot of stuff happen in 2019. And with Doha being such late champs, I almost felt like a bit burnt out after that season. And then having to come straight back into training into an Olympic season, I was like, I'm exhausted. And the only thing that was getting me through, was like, right, there's Olympics this year. I've just got to do whatever I can to get on that plane and get get to my second games. Um, Whereas this year with everything happening, happening last year, I've, almost found the love for sport again and I feel like my goals for this year have just been obviously the same I want to be in Tokyo I want to be on that plane I want to do well um but also having like small goals throughout the season and just like really enjoying training really like testing myself um and yeah just mainly just enjoying it and looking at the small goals towards Tokyo rather than thinking like it's be all and end all you have to make it and if you don't then it's almost like a failure so I'm like yeah looking at small goals this year definitely.
1: Is that something that's just come with from experience now like you know what I I thought you were older than 23 I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you've been around for quite a while now and you're only 23 years old so you're literally 10 years younger than me but like do you feel like the experience has come from like you've been to games already um you've been to a couple of major championships and like yeah. is that just something that's worked for you in your training or is that something that's um be, you've been advised to do or is it just self-driven
2: um a bit of both i think a lot of it's down to i i forget i'm 23 as well so <laughs> i <I'm always> like <laughs> when you said that i was like oh, i'm 23 <laughs> um yeah i feel like i've been around the circuit for a long time now yeah um, but yeah, no, I think that's something that's yeah, almost just happened, um, organically, I guess. Um, and yeah, I've been to I've been to the champs, but then that also puts more of a pressure on me because I'm like, well, I made I made rear when I was 19, like how can I not mm. make Tokyo now I'm 23? So to me, I put quite a lot of pressure on myself. So I'm trying to get away from that and just think, right, like no one else is putting that pressure on you. You don't need to put all that pressure on yourself. So just kind of like go for go for the small goals and just go for the things that like make you happy. Because ultimately I look back at the times I've jumped well, competed well. And those the times where I've been really enjoying my training and it's yeah. kind of like happened easily. Like whenever I try and push something um, and just work as hard as I can and just, just be like really tense, I'm not going to jump well. So if I'm enjoying no. training, enjoying the competition and just everything just kind of flows naturally.
1: Is, is that a field event thing? like Dan as well like do you find like uh if you're in happy place you throw further you jump higher kind of thing is that just like a, mm-hmm. a relaxation thing or yeah I, I I don't know like it'd be interesting to get
0: Morgan's thoughts on this but um for me definitely if I, I I've this since September till now pretty much had a consistent run of training and been fluid and fluent and I guess most well, all track events and field events are feeling and like fluidity and mm-hmm. flow and everything and once you, I think as a field eventer once you get that flow and training and the feel of the like your event again and you feel new things like the things that you minor things that you work on and you pull out a new technique and then you get it right and it starts to knit into your general flow Was yeah. yeah that's the best thing ever is when you don't have to think about doing something that you love doing and you just just like jump and they jump and they jump and it happens the hardest days are when you're trying to put things right and you overthink for me personally yeah. and, and you're almost like going backwards and even though you're doing that specific bit but everything else just falls apart around you and they're like the hardest bit so I guess yeah just to try and alleviate that pressure of overthinking and just trying to let it happen which is the hardest thing ever because you just want it to happen
2: yeah it's like the more you force it the worse it gets <laughs>
1: yeah like... Um, I've always I've always found that curious about the, the field events because it's like I think if you're a track and you're right, if you're fit or yeah. you're quick, or whatever, it just works out. Whereas like you can be in incredible shape, uh, as a, as a jumper, you can be fast and you've ever been strong and you've been techniques perfect, but it's just not clicking. Yeah. like It, it must be the most frustrating thing ever. Like, do you ever get through? Do you ever have periods like that where it's just just not working?
2: Yeah, I think. Um... <clears throat> I definitely found that after, so lockdown one, so from like March till May say, um, obviously I was training, I was doing like loads of plyo sessions, loads of like gym, loads of running. And I felt really fit. I felt like I'd done a a good block of work and I was like, great. Like obviously I didn't, I wasn't able to jump, but once I get back to the track, I'll have a few sessions and it will just click. And I realized that, not having access to a track and not having access to do my run up and jump and just get that rhythm in every day you realize how much you actually rely on that because mm-hmm. I just thought right okay I'm lifting I was actually lifting heavier than usual um I was doing way more way more running way more circuits yoga like everything around my training was so much better so I was like okay cool this will be great once we'll I get back onto the track um and it wasn't I think that's when I realized that the rhythm, the flow, the actual technical aspect of it is just so important. I think, like when I was young, when I was doing heptathlon, um, I'd only do high jump once a week and oh, okay. I'd be jumping pretty high. And I was, so I just kind of took it for granted that it was kind of an easy thing. I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. We'll do it for a few months and get back and jump to TV. So, yeah, that was pretty naive of me. So <laughs> I found out the hard way that it doesn't really work like that.
1: And jumped like 190 at what like 15 years old or something like that, 16 years old
2: yeah yeah and I, it's weird because I look back at that and I'm just like how did I do that and I just think it's because I didn't have any expectation and I, okay I obviously train hard but I trained really really hard when I was younger um and I had like a great support team around me with all my coaches my training partners and stuff but I think the main thing was I just didn't overthink things and i didn't put any limits on myself to what I could jump so I'm trying to find that kind of usefulness again <laughs> with
0: the um obviously with, with that love for it and finding it easier in the hep was that your obviously now now we know obviously you do it full time but was that your favorite event in the hip, or did you have another one that was close to it
2: yeah it was definitely my favorite my second favorite was actually shot I don't
1: know why. Because
2: you're wet. wet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. And I I think what I found with shot put that it wasn't like when I was younger, I was like I'm never going to have to throw a shot put because I thought it was all about like brute strength. And I realized actually it's a lot a lot to do with rhythm and a lot to do with like having long levers really helps. Well, so once I kind of cracked that, I was like, cool, this is fun. Um, so yeah, I, I do miss I do miss shot.
1: Oh, up you go, Zane Durham. It's gonna get you upstairs. You're gonna be training with Amelia.
2: I did some it, actually. My first year in Loughborough, when I was still doing HEP, um, I did some short sessions with him. So.
1: Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I uh, I yeah, I guess
0: that's a good link, isn't it? Like, um, like, obviously, you started life out as a heptathlete. Like, what was uh, how? How did just the heptathlon come about, and how did
2: you get into it? Um, yeah. So I started out. Well, I actually initially started out wanting to do long jump and triple jump. So my dad was a triple jumper when he was younger. Um, so I kind of just wanted to emulate what he did. So I was like, I want to be a long jump and triple jumper. And then I went to my, my local athletics club when I was younger. Um, and then just realized there were so many other events. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So yeah, I kind of just did all the events. Didn't really favor one over the other. Um, and then I don't even know how I found out about it, but I found out there was this thing called pentathlon. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do a pentathlon. Um, and it was like the end of the season. So everyone had kind of done their pentathlons for the year. And I was like, no, I want to do one. I'm going to find one. So I was like scrolling through Google's on like page 57 or something. Mm-hmm. And I found there this, um, a pentathlon in Exeter. And I was like to my parents, cool, can I do that? I think I was like 11 or 12 at this point. Um, I didn't really think they'd even heard of I think my dad had heard of pentathlon, but my mum had never heard of it. Um, so I was like, can I do this pentathlon? And they were like, uh, okay. So they kind of drove me down to Exeter on the day and I broke Kath Mary's British record and I was like, this is so cool. Oh, wow. this is <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I was like, I've made it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think after doing that, I was like, okay, cool, this might, this might be a thing. And then, yeah, the pentathlon just kind of like rolled onto the heptathlon and... Yeah, I never, I never really thought of myself as going to, have to happen full time. It was kind of, I wanted to be a long jumper. Um, and then I was like, right, although I don't, although I don't feel like I'm going to be definitely a long jumper. So I was like, right, I'll carry on everything else until I really find what event I want to do. Um, and yeah, just kind of stuck with them all.
1: <laughs> stuck with them all, didn't pick anyone. I think um, fair play to your parents are driving you down to Exeter as well. Yeah. Like. yeah just
2: not a quick trip
1: no not a quick trip but it's kind of worked out I suppose having your dad as a coach as well like how was the um, that as a young athlete like the relationship there was it was it hard or did you find a way of separating being uh, a father-daughter relationship or was it all just one
2: (sighs) to be honest it was all just one um he I think we really he really tried to like make it coach and then dad but like living at home and being with him all the time, it was never gonna be like that. Like if I had a bad day on the track, um, it would definitely come home to dinner table, and everyone was <laughs> that wasn't great. Um, but no, we are we are still like super close, and we always talk about track. Um, and I think it was a really good relationship we had as like coach and athlete. Um, I think mainly because I knew that he always cared about like what was best for me so he wouldn't give me a session just because oh he'd seen a cool session on like i don't know at, on instagram instagram at the time at a- <laughs> <laughs> i wanted yeah. to try out with me like i knew that everything every single session he gave me every everything was so planned out and thought through um, and he was he was like we were such a competitive family and i think he kind of brought it to the track and he always got training partners in who were better than me um which did annoy me at the time I was like why just making everyone better than me (laughs) Um, he always tried to push me so that was that was a really good a really good relationship definitely
1: do you you have uh siblings
2: yeah I've got a younger brother who's a couple years younger I actually asked him the other day I was like why because he used to he used to do track um and then he gave up quite early on and I was like why'd you give up and he was like because I was really short and everyone was really tall and I was like <laughs> yeah I never had that problem no <laughs> yeah For so long never <laughs> struggled
1: <laughs> um so when you talk about your relationship with your family and the influence it's had on you like what other like who else has had a massive influence on your career like have you had like teammates or training mm-hmm. partners or other people within the sport that's made you go right this is going to push me to another level these people are going to inspire me or bring me forward
2: um yeah there's been there's been loads um i think from the beginning it's always been my training partners like i really feel like training partners are so important in the sport um i'm not i'm not great when i have to i couldn't be one of those people who just goes to the track and trains on my own um I'd find that really, really hard. Like, I'm definitely motivated by other people around me. Um, mm-hmm. And also, again, like, going back to the fun element of it, like, that's definitely what kept me in the sport from yeah. from young age is because, like, my closest friends were my training partners growing up. So it was that social aspect of it as well which kept me in the sport. Um, yeah. so obviously they,
0: like, it's a positive distraction as well, isn't it? Because yeah. you go and see your mates at a young age and it yeah. takes away the, that kind of pressure of, of if you're not know I mean.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely um yeah it was like that was like the highlight of of the day like after school going to see your mates um and train like the training part was second but <laughs> gonna see your mates as far, as far. Um, and then yeah since then um been quite lucky like on my home track Denise Lewis was kind of around a bit um so I spoke to her quite a lot and she was one of the people who who's really helped me like through my career just anything if I just need to like sound anything out to her, or just ask for advice, she's always been she's always been like an amazing person to look up to, especially like when she was a heptathlete and I was a like I was a heptathlete looking up to her
0: um, mm-hmm.
2: when she was around. So yeah, she's been a really big inspiration. But I feel like like the move from home to her was such a big was such a big jump. Um, so, yeah, I was, like, so scared about that move. So, obviously, I've only been training my dad since then. Um, and then moving up to Loughborough, I met Fuzz at Rio. So, he was, like, my acting coach for that um, competition. And then, yeah, he made me feel really welcome when I go back to um, Loughborough. So, that was quite a good, that was quite an easy transition, I think.
1: I think uh, we know Fuzz is quite a vocal, uh, enigmatic uh, no, it's not, not, the right, not the right word. It's quite an energetic person to be yeah. around, quite exciting. How is it like uh, as a coach? Like, um how do
2: you find it? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, you can't be low energy in a session when <laughs> 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 I
1: mean,
2: maybe we're not really in a bad mood. It's not, it's not, uh, then you're just silent. You're like, okay, I've got to clear this bar now. Um, but yeah, no, he was great. So, from Rio, that's obviously like when I met him properly as, as a coach. Um, and I think he's just so great at like making you believe in yourself. Like, obviously, mm. done the hard work, but in high jump, I guess. I, I guess pole vaults kind of similar as well. Um, in terms of you've got three attempts at a height, and the bar is right in front of you, and it's not like you finish the race or you finish your jump, and then and then you see how how far or how fast you've gone. You've literally got a barrier right in front of you that you have to clear. So I guess a lot of it is down to the mental side of it as well. So I think Fuzz is really good in terms of just like helping you believe in yourself that you can clear that bar. Um, mm. Yeah. But yeah, the sessions, the sessions can get loud. You can probably hear us from downstairs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, obviously going from that transition from your father to Fuzz, we knew how kind of intense he is. Like what, what is your favorite session to do with Fuzz? Like what does he bring to the table? And watch your worst, I guess, as well. Watch, watch, watch something that you really detest when he when you see any training day, you're Like, oh no, not that. Um, circuits
2: are probably my worst. It used to be hills, but now I've kind of got over that. I enjoy them, I enjoy doing hills. I enjoy afterwards. I'm like, oh, I've actually done a proper session now. I think that <laughs> that's what I found hard going from heptathlon to high jump. I was like, if yeah, I'm not doing any work anymore, like I'm not doing any lactic sessions, so how am I going to get better at anything? Um, so, yeah, I think it was. It's been nice to the introduction of hills and the longer sessions, but circuits, are the sessions which I'm just never gonna, I'm never gonna enjoy seeing them. Um, but in terms of my favourite session, it's anything plyometric, like any any like kind of box bounds, any bounds, of the pitch, anything bounding. I'm like, yeah, sign me up every day.
1: <laughs> how how do you find um, balancing that then? Like obviously those sessions that you've got a fuzzer, like, if you've got a big hill session or yeah. you've got a circus session, how do you find ju- uh, juggling that with your degree? And, like, obviously, you're doing a proper degree, aren't you?
2: Well, kind of, I've also been doing it for over five years. So. Oh,
1: okay. Well, Three degree
2: I'm doing it for five years. So, yeah, I mean, I'm so glad I split my, split my degree. Although, the main reason I split last year is so that my diss didn't clash with Tokyo. And now it does. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. Oh, um. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, no I, the thing is with Loughborough, I feel like everyone's kind of in the same boat or been in the same boat. Like everyone's probably come there to study at some point. So it doesn't feel like I'm the only one who's doing this. And I feel like far behind everyone else. Um. No. And also, it's quite nice to have a bit of a distraction. Obviously, Loughborough's not the hub of fun (laughs) Um, so it's quite nice to just have a distraction have something I can do like in the evenings I mean especially now in lockdown I'm like my life is literally track and uni work which isn't like isn't fun but there's also nothing else to do so yeah and I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I've done it now and I haven't left it too long because yeah I went straight out from school had a gap year um, and then five years later, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready to finish now, but I'm I'm definitely glad I've done it. But yeah, it has been a bit. The only time it's really a struggle is around exams because exams fall in January, which is when I've got like obviously indoor comp starting and then kind of May, June time when it's summer comp season. So throughout the year and training wise, it's not too bad. But yeah, when you've got clashes with competitions and exams, it's hard because I always want to put obviously my comps first, but like the exams aren't going to move. <laughs> no. Not
1: well, you can do it from home now anyway. It's fine.
2: I know exactly. Yeah. Twenty-four hours.
0: It's easy. Twenty-four it's easy. hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, heard, I don't think we can't um, dismiss that fact of where did you go on your gap year?
2: I went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> <Not Korea. laughs> well, oh I, right. Oh, is it? Was it was not fun because. The only reason I took it off because I was like, okay, I don't want to change my setup too much in Olympic year. So my gap year was at home watching all my friends at uni or abroad. So yeah, it wasn't fun. <laughs> it was fun in the end. Got to August and it was great, but now nah, the lead up to it wasn't great. The, um, um,
1: sorry, go on. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you go. I was just going to say, like, so um, how do you find balance in time between obviously we talked about training we talked about Mm -hmm. school education but then obviously like now as part of being an athlete now you have to have like a a profile a social media profile you have to have like external things going on um how do you find that like is that something that is okay for you like natural or is it something that you've like had to work on um like Um,
2: i don't know i feel like i'm not very natural at it i have to really think about it i'm not one of those people who will post every day Um, i'll I feel like I can story quite easily but like I always have to think of myself as a brand as well and have to reach obviously sponsors and stuff um everyone will now just go straight to social media that's the first thing they look at um which I don't I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing I'm yeah I have a weird like relationship with social media because I'm like it's just so fake I think that's what we found about it I'm like it it can just be so toxic sometimes. So yeah, I feel like I just try and, yeah, not let it kind of get to me too much, but then also realize I have to use it as a tool to yeah. kind of reach an audience and reach sponsors. Um, so yeah, it's a weird one. I think the weirdest thing I find about it is like the accessibility we have to everyone. Um, obviously like when I was growing up, I couldn't just DM one of my, one of like favorite athletes and just kind of ask them something um you kind of like see them at a competition and get an autograph or something and that was kind of the end inter- of interaction so in that terms I think it's good that we can like fans have more access to, to athletes and like celebrities and stuff and you can just have that conversation um but then also I'm like it's just weird. I feel like we have too, sometimes have too much access to people and, like, yeah. know too much about our lives. Like, we just meet someone and yeah. they're like, oh, you were... Like, here the other day, I saw on your story, and I'm like, oh, God, I forgot that. Yeah. People <laughs> looking at what... I just, doing.
0: like, no, almost, like, know your every move and you think, oh, you've yeah. been stalking me, but actually, oh, no, I've been uploading to social yeah, media. Yeah,
2: no, so. everywhere where I am at all times. <laughs> so, it's Um, So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, but at the end of the day, it's just so normal now like it it'd be weirder if people didn't have a presence on social media um which i also find a bit weird um but yeah no i, do, I mean i do like it for different things there's sometimes i'm like okay hey, can we just have like a week off please yeah do you
1: get do you get weird stalkery people on uh, social media
2: weird, No, i haven't got any weird weird stalkers like, I hope not
0: don't, don't jinx it yeah, after listening to this you can... <laughs> we can sort that out for you on the podcast don't you worry Morgan <laughs> <I
1: can't wait. laughs> so that would no, it yeah. really awkward that <laughs> yeah, I
0: know <laughs> but yeah like yeah. you say it's, um, it's such an open narrative isn't it where people can also have like a huge opinion on you without even meeting you that's the thing that I struggle with like it's sometimes like people will judge you and and you're like no actually like this isn't quite me you have just seen a a snippet like a 30 second or a minute snippet of my day like don't judge me what I'm doing or um I think that's the only problem with social media is that people are very opinion-based and Mm -hmm. it can it can make or break you um depending on what you say or do
2: yeah like I feel like Twitter's the worst for it though (laughs) like Mm. you don't have anything bad I mean, I'm the worst for it as well because I'll look, I'll look for it. I've had a bad competition. I'm like, What are people saying? Um, but yeah, I think that's sometimes the worst thing. It's like people don't think. so with comments. People don't think that people will see them. That's the hardest thing. They don't see um, like athletes and celebrities and stuff as real people. Um, and then if you ever question them on it, they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, didn't think you'd ever see it or whatever." And you're just like.
0: But I saw. I saw someone um, had obviously tweeted some horrific things to a celebrity, and they doubted them. And mm. kind, of, oh my god, they've replied to me. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, Are no, absolutely freaking crazy. Like you've just, you've just, you just said some really horrible things about this person just because they've quote tweeted you. Now yeah. you absolutely love them and completely have changed your tune.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. It, yeah, it's just so weird. Yeah, it's really strange.
1: Do you think we should do more education in it? like for us as an athlete.
2: As an athlete. Um yeah, I think I think we should. Um I'm trying to think what I what I had growing up. I think especially when I went on the futures programme, we had quite a lot of um information just kind of like how to use our platform. Because I think that's back in the time when Twitter was basically a diary and everyone just wrote whatever they wanted. And (laughs) they were kind of Right, remember that in five, ten years' time, these tweets are still going to be the internet. Like, the internet is forever. They're still going to be there. Um, I think that's the main thing. It's, like, remembering that you've got an audience as well. Um, yeah, no, I think there should be a little bit of education on that.
1: That's, it's, uh, I find it a scary place sometimes. I think uh, I look at it, Dan's probably saying we looked at it, Facebook was a big thing when, we, when I was my second year at uni. And that's yeah. when like Facebook came in, and now it's like Twitter, Instagram. It's it's like you said, it's kind of weird if you don't have it. Yeah. Like yeah,
2: you kind like, of you, you So strange that if you saw some met someone that have social media, you're like okay, that's yeah. weird, but like, that's so strange.
1: But the thing like, is it's so refreshing like, though. Yeah.
0: Like, like the thing for me is it's the source of all knowledge. Basically, yeah. you can go online. Obviously, you can get the news quicker.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: When when it first came out then obviously you'd have to go and buy a newspaper before the internet and see what was in the news and then that wouldn't be updated for another 24 hours until it got printed where it is obviously as we are now it's constant and you can get anything you want on there quicker like just a tap of a button and it's and that's that's also the scary thing is that it can as donald trump would say fake news but you could put anything out there in the domain to some extent and um and it be out and people believe it and yeah like it is it is really scary yeah. and obviously it's a great vehicle for us to it's just a great marketing platform yeah, That's yeah athletes need to see it from that angle is that it's self-promotion
2: yeah.
0: it gives people an insight into your lives and yeah it enables you to attract sponsors
2: yeah
1: yeah uh, what we need is a photographer at the track every day Mm.
2: this is the thing i'm like how are people getting so many track photos like who is taking your photos because i'm not getting any photos from training
1: you need a coach who can coach and do it at the
0: same time i do get fuzz on their photography course
2: yeah (laughs) spy the camera for christmas
1: (laughs) with his big ipad (laughs) yeah
2: he does love that screenshots
1: this is it um do you find like um with the social media and you're talking about sponsorship it's important towards it like you're you're with Red Bull right yeah they're one of the best at it though aren't they like they kind of they understand yeah. what it is to get your their athletes out there they make it easy for you make it fun for you like how, how has that relationship developed how has that been helpful to your career
2: yeah they've been super helpful in terms of like social media and stuff so the last month or so we had um we had like a seminar with like people who own TikTok people who are on Instagram um and we just had like loads of seminars with, like how to improve um like our presence on social media and I think with them they were just kind of like you have to make it authentic to yourself like that's when you're gonna that's when you're gonna get more people to follow you and more people interested in your content like when you're actually enjoying what you do Um, and just showing showing like what you'd actually want to see that's when um yeah that's when you're going to get more more followers more fans more people on your page um yeah no they they're just like a great sponsor and they just kind of get athletes which is nice like they actually care about you as an athlete um even when you're not doing well they still they still message you that's really good but no yeah they're they're a really fun fun character company to
1: work with did you get a a massive like surge of uh like followers or anything after the Cosmo shoot
2: yeah I did actually I got a few followers from that that was fun um a lot of there was a lot of backlash from that shoot but that's another story um yeah um but no that was that was quite cool cool.
0: how how was it was perceived because I know obviously they went along the lines that everybody's healthy and it was a varying degree of um females that are on there like what um what kind of what kind of storytelling did they kind of really want to implement and like was it just more like inspiration between getting fit and staying healthy was it around food or was it just about getting like the female emphasis out there to get fit and healthy
2: yeah I think the main thing their main push for it obviously it came out January the 1st and usually like women's magazines in january would be like new year new you just lose all those christmas calories be this person be this like fits fitspo whatever um and i think for them they would kind of like you don't need to change like you should just be happy in the body that you're in right now um and kind of just showing that you can be healthy and you can yeah you can like love your body at all different sizes and all different shapes and stuff. So I think that's kind of the angle they were pushing. They were like, not everyone needs to be a specific weight, specific yeah. shape. Um obviously that came with a lot of backlash. People saying, oh, you can't be healthy you can't be healthy. At every size was their of their um angle. So uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, had a bit, of, a bit of backlash from it. But then it also had so much positivity from yeah. it. So many people were like, thank you. Like this is such a great thing of Cosmo to have done, um, people like find they have to see themselves, so yeah, those was definitely positive and negative. Yeah, from
0: that's really good from like, from their angle, just to actually, like you say, get it out in the sphere, and, and it's again, social media, you're never going to impress or um, kind of uh, hit on everybody's same yeah. values, everyone's going to have their own opinion, but um, at least they're kind of, yeah you know brave enough to embrace that and and try a new angle which is I thought was really fitting and yeah and it was great to see your face like you know on the the front cover it was awesome
1: (laughs) yeah it was it was uh I was passing through the the airport and I saw it there and I was like oh, that's Morgan hidden in between (laughs) the chocolate eggs I was kind of like (laughs) don't grab the chocolate eggs or not um (laughs) um if Morgan I said it earlier like I forget that you're quite young 20 23 years old do you feel like you've been around for a long time, quite mature athlete as well, the way you, you handle yourself. If you are involved in changing the sport and molding the sport, yeah. where where would you be like focusing your energy?
2: Oh, that's a I mean, there's so many things. Changing the sport from athlete's point of view or from like an organization point of view?
1: Um, I suppose whatever makes the sport better.
2: I think at the moment it's just getting more people. I'm going to contradict myself because I'm going to talk about social media but yeah. <laughs> I feel like like the audience needs to it just needs to be more reactive like I know they've tried to do things like oh make the diamond League 90 minutes and cut out triple jump and just make it really really short and compact compact like football and it's like you no know, people are actually interested in the sport like you just need to tell the story better like you just need to raise people's profiles more and you need to Follow a story because I think that's the way you're gonna get more engagement in the sport is if you follow people as a story like the Hatch is a good example because it's over two days and people's rankings go up and down um people have like a really good event, a really bad event and it's it's just such a story and I think they need to tell the story for longer and they need to really follow people's <clears throat> pathways to to the champs and two different competitions and stuff. so yeah, I think I just try and build athletes up more I think the hard thing is there are so many athletes in the sport Mm. um and there is obviously I guess scope to kind of make it more like football in terms of teams so you can almost like follow follow different teams but then again like would that work so yeah it's a hard one I mean I wouldn't like to be in the position to have much (laughs) <laughs> to actually to, you know, change things because you're always gonna come on scrutiny, like people are always gonna disagree with what you're doing because if you're changing a sport which has run the same been running the same way for how many years, um yeah, people you're always gonna get backlash. But yeah, I think just building up people's profiles more and just following them and yeah, making a story.
1: Yeah. Sounds that's pretty much it, isn't it? It's like um if you can create like a a fan base around an athlete. Yeah. So like they can engage with that athlete obviously we have social media it's so easy to get close to that person but to to be able to follow their careers and not just like you might see like the split second of the race like yeah. or you might get to see one jump or one throw it's just not not enough is it so that needs yeah, to be changed
2: great really like you don't know, like red button you can go to different, mm. different events and you can actually watch the the event in full rather than oh, here's what, I've already seen the results, but an hour later, I'm going to see the last yeah. throw. Like, it's just think, not awful.
0: I think what annoys me is, like, they do it for the big events, like the Olympic Games and um, and the Paralympics is where you can, obviously, specifically go to an event and you watch it in its entirety and you get the um, the kind of stadium commentator that is there. So you don't get the, the full-on BBC ones, but, and it was amazing because you could just follow everything, every throw, Mm-hmm. every round you didn't miss a beat and i think that's probably the way forward is more more like of like an interactive basis, because then they'd be able to follow you and and understand and then like you say it grows people's personality they understand like what you're about and relax you relate to you in the future competitions and follow you on social media and actually engage the two which is understanding you know your training and everything else but also seeing competition actually you, you might, you might might be struggling up until I don't know round four four or five, and then all of a sudden like it's it just clicks, and then you just keep on pushing and pushing, um, or like the heights, you might you might be sticking and maybe knocking two bars off, and then getting getting your final clearance, and it adds that adrenaline, doesn't it? Oh, she's only got one jump left, and it, it yeah, like you say, it builds away. If you just went oh Morgan like cleared one ninety yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> And like, okay, cool, great.
0: And they go, done. And it's like, oh, it's not really that interesting. You haven't really told the pressures that come on, on hitting that yeah. um, while
1: we got there. So. I think you're right. I think you're both right in saying that we just need to get some more of a feeling as well back for the sport where people can actually understand it. And like you said, if they can follow the drama of it, it's going to be better. <clears> what do you think about British Athletics? Like uh, with the new changes, are you excited about it?
2: I'm really excited to be honest like yeah I'm happy with the changes and I think it's going to be good going forward um although I don't know if there's going to be any like cuts from COVID and stuff like that to the actual program mm-hmm. um that's I guess the worry of it all but um no I think it's good that things are changing we still haven't got um a lead for field events I don't think or oh, I don't think anyone's got lead. have they yet? Yeah. There's no sprints, no. So yeah, that'll be obviously interesting to see what comes in, who comes in there.
1: Dan's yeah. going to be the head of throws. What are you on about?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <I> forgot. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've
0: moaned a few times about that. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, I fully understand that. Um, I think they want to get it right this time, and they're not trying to paper any cracks. And yeah. they like they they're going for it. They've got a good good plan, and it's um I think it's hard to implement that um longevity um without rushing and they're not trying to rush into decisions which is great but then you've got an olympic and paralympic games in eight that's months time. time and it's it's hard to marry the two if yeah for the next eight year cycle brilliant like you know we want something that's building a, a like a legacy and and bringing athletes in and getting the best coaches in but <laughs> you've got to look at the here and now like
2: yeah exactly because now it's an important time like going into the games you need someone to yeah to go to so
0: and then with that in mind I think we've all I'd like personally to, to touch on we've all been to games quite young so mm-hmm. just take us through your experience of Rio at 19 years old because that's pretty special you know it's, it's yeah very very special um
2: yeah I mean it was <laughs> a I mean I obviously wanted to go uh, Rio. Um, I was trying all year to qualify in the heptathlon um, but luckily I'd qualified in the high jump I think in the indoor season so I knew I was going so I guess that kind of put the pressure off trying to qualify for heptathlon. Um, yeah I made it for the high jump and yeah it was just an unreal experience although it was kind of dampened for everyone being like it's not as good as Rio yeah um, as London they're like who's not as good as London but, oh. Okay, well, I didn't go to London, so I don't know that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Well, I think it's pretty special. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was amazing. I think looking back at it, again, like, like I was saying when I was younger, I just had no expectations. Um, I just went in there and was like, I'm just gonna enjoy myself. Um, and made it to the final. Uh, the final was weird because I think there was something about the TV rights and They really wanted the high jump to go quite quickly. So they put our starting height a ridiculous height. um, And it was only one in 197 because I think the height after that was just ridiculous. So it was a bit of a shame about the final in terms of how it was was run. But in terms of actually the games and the preparation camp and just being at the Olympics was just amazing.
0: And how long uh, in advance do you know the starting height?
2: think the night either the night before or the
0: night before,
2: night before. um yeah pretty
0: and if you've got like um if you've got strategies for like if it's lower or higher like what like say for me obviously my strategy is sometimes to get a, a, like a an easier one out in the first round just to kind of get my confidence up like if it's if it comes in quite high like mm-hmm. what is your kind of strategy and your mindset around that like did, you, did it change at all from maybe just like a domestic comp where it would be maybe a bit lower? you have to wait around a little bit
2: yeah yeah it's definitely different I think if it's higher in like the champ setting I'll just do more in warm up so I'll do a lot more jumps warm up um, and just kind of build myself up like it's a competition so I'd get kind of into the competition mindset a little bit earlier because yeah I guess with domestic domestic comps i probably start around 180 um, mm. and then in Rio I think the starting height was 189 so that's almost like three jumps that I just missed. So I try and get those get those done in warm-up. Um and yeah, it gets you into the competition a lot quicker. You don't have much time to kind of chill. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, you have to start quite early.
1: I remember following the comp. I think I was in the stadium that night and um it was like uh if you cleared, I think it was at 93, no 97. Yeah. It basically that was it, medals done. Like it was like how many people first three got 97 didn't they and then that's yeah. it
2: first group yeah first three got 97 and then well I got 93 on my third attempt yeah the girls who jumped on their first attempt I think they came fifth like like that was it was crazy, crazy. it was such a crazy such a crazy games um and kind of sad in a way it's like I think it went 89 93 97 and then the comp was done so three jumps and that's your Olympic final wow yeah it was It was a really strange one
1: it doesn't help it does it like you're trying to sell like an amazing event Uh, you're trying to get the best out of everybody as well like it doesn't give anybody an opportunity to really shine
2: no it Um, doesn't also the thing with high jump is like you almost build into the comp so you hmm. those earlier heights you've probably done i guess in my tv i probably did like eight to ten jumps um yeah you're kind of like warming into it but three jumps and it's over I mean, it's great if you've won, <laughs> but if you haven't, yeah. it's like, I just felt like I was never really in it. So, yeah, hopefully it changes a bit in Tokyo.
1: Tokyo. I mean, are you excited about going to Japan?
2: So excited. Like, yeah, oh, I know it's going to be, or hopefully it's going to be on. And I know yeah, it's on, true. it's going to be very different to how, I guess, we kind of all expected it to be. But,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, no, I love, I love Japan. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to be there.
1: Yeah, I think Japan's a crazy place. Hopefully, we get to have some kind of game sometime, some kind of uh, opportunity for Japan to show its hospa- hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. Sorry, I can't say that word.
2: Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it's probably cost some billions to yeah. have to postpone it and have to change everything. Obviously, it's still called Tokyo 2020. They can't call it 2021, I guess, for I don't branding. Know, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it must be so tough for them right now. So yeah, I hope I hope they get to show people what an amazing country they are.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. Hopefully, we're all fit enough, and we all qualify, and we all do our bit, yeah, okay, and there we go. We'll go out there and enjoy the enjoy what it's going to be. I think it's going to be an amazing games, so whatever happens. Just for what the world needs right now, I think is a, yeah. is a positive thing that um, hopefully starts to show the turn of the tide. I suppose. Okay. Um, do you think we're going to get um, vaccinated?
2: <laughs> I think so. I mean, I don't know, because they're saying that people, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I read so much stuff on vaccines and stuff. Um, but some people who are still in the high-risk category aren't going to get vaccinated until, like, April. So okay. <laughs> I don't think they can really say that athletes can go first. Um so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it's done, and again, there's probably going to be some backlash from it. But I guess in an ideal situation, all the vaccine kind of—I mean, I guess it's being rolled out quickly now. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yes, well, this morning um, I watched watching Good Morning Britain with my cereal, and um, <laughs> I don't normally watch it, but yeah, they're apparently doing 2.6 million vaccines a week, so yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, a population I think fifty-six million. So hopefully, it will get most people covered fairly so, soon.
1: So it's the middle of January as we're doing this. Like, it's, do you know what's really crazy? Because I'm in Dubai,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I get all like news from other countries and stuff.
2: Oh, yeah, cool.
1: And they're really positive about us doing it. Like, they're actually very nice about the British for oh, once. That. Yeah, like it's only thing breaks Everything is horrible, whatever. But like, but the, the vaccination, the process of that is like we're actually getting quite a lot of like international praise for that. Just not from within the UK, like we'll never say we're doing well. No, I think- um, It's not quick uh, enough. (laughs) Never. (laughs) I saw Tiffany Porter. So (laughs) Tiffany Porter lives in the states. She lives in Michigan. She's had it, she's been vaccinated. So she'll be be the first athlete. Hopefully she comes back and (laughs) she'll be the only one allowed to go to Japan, but- Well,
0: I I guess like you're still very youthful, but what (laughs) would you, we always like to end on something uh, n- inspirational and what uh, and kind of a bit of advice of what you would tell an even younger Morgan Lake yeah. and um, a bit of advice that you could give or maybe it's a quote that you like, just something mm-hmm. um, that maybe now looking back at your career, you'd maybe wish you'd heard that a bit of advice.
2: I think, so, I have not really a quote from it, but it's like trust your gut because it's always right I think that's what I've learned every time I've tried, tried to go against my instincts I wish I'd gone for it and every time I've gone with it it's gone well so I think yeah. yeah you kind of know yourself more than anyone knows you so even if people tell you you should do x like don't always don't always listen to them kind of listen to yourself more um so yeah just trust trust yourself really it's not that's awesome not but <laughs>
1: No, that's good. That's exactly it. I think sometimes people yeah. always like um they want to hear what everybody else is saying and they want to take on board. They might see someone else doing something, especially on social media or whatever, they'll yeah. be like, Oh, this is how I have to do it. And it's actually like now you know within yourself. Yeah. You have you've, uh, you've got to this level by being who you are, not by being somebody else. So um you're the only person who's gonna take you to the next part.
2: I think that's kind of the thing with competitions as well. It's like if you know you haven't done the training, if you know you've missed xyz you can't just hope it's going to happen on the day just because you want it to it's like Mm. back and you know you know when you've done the work and it's going to go well so yeah Yeah. what
1: you can't just will yourself over the bar and it's fine
2: (laughs) i try to but it doesn't
1: just float over it's okay don't worry about
0: it (laughs) most uh (laughs) some athletes about i'm i've not done any training i'm
1: well rested it's fine (laughs) exactly fine I was definitely well rested this summer but anyway
0: <laughs> oh Morgan.
1: Morgan
2: Morgan thank you very much Sorry, I
1: always feel like it's a shouting
0: name
2: <laughs>
0: it's been an absolute right. pleasure thanks so much for coming on
2: thanks for having
0: me on right that was a good pod wasn't it go. so good Like Morgan's a so lovely girl but she just yeah like opened up so much about her training and um, obviously going to the Olympics at a young age and yeah fascinating
1: to hear her thoughts and the way she talks about relationships with her family and competitiveness and then um, actually like having a viewpoint on how to make the sport better sometimes at that age you kind of you don't care really do you just like 23 years old and life is good and you're just out there competing for yourself but actually like thinking about what's Of the sport, it's good to. It shows her quality.
0: Yeah, it it just shows her vested interest in the sport as well, doesn't it? It shows that she's keen for it to improve. Um, Athletics is quite a selfish individual sport for some some people, but other people want it to improve along with themselves, and Morgan's definitely one of those people.
1: Yeah, um, so if you you like the pod, um, you can like and subscribe on itunes spotify wherever you get your podcast uh, you can follow us uh, at discus at martin rooney and then at grs podcast on instagram and um, we need to build that
0: following up don't we don't we do yeah we, we put all our, all the content out there and um, give you a little sound bites, but yeah if you like and subscribe on your podcast format and give us a review and give us some comments as well what you'd like to hear from us and, and we'll do our best to fit those in as well thanks everybody cheers for listening